0: Welcome to the ADHD Mums Podcast. I'm here to make sure you know you are not alone. This is a safe place where we can talk openly about our struggles with having ADHD, being a mum and dealing with life that is, a little outside the box. We are real people with real stories who want to be able to laugh and strive to be better than what we were yesterday. ADHD Mums are the best. I actively try and befriend mums who might be a little neurodiverse, because they are great fun, they make fun of themselves, and they say what they think.
1: I want to make sure
0: this podcast is short and sharp, with not a lot of waffle, so we can keep going and get to the good stuff. My name is Jane McFadden, I'm a 36-year-old mum of three who was diagnosed with ADHD a little over a year ago. I'm here to help you live out your full potential with a diagnosis or without one. I run a telehealth psychology company and I'm passionate about helping others take back their life and have a great time by doing stuff. On this show, you can expect to laugh, hear vulnerable discussions, and learn why things are the way they are for mums with ADHD. No two humans are the same, no two diagnoses are the same, and no two stories are the same. We have a lot to learn and a whole lot to look forward to on this podcast. I've received a lot of feedback that women want to hear from other real women. So i brought in Lucy, a fellow ADHD mum who is a 29 year old mother of three. She was diagnosed just under two years ago. She has three beautiful NeuroSpicy children and a FIFO husband. She is also completing her midwifery degree. I think we all have questions about why Lucy is here and how on earth she has time to speak to me. So, introducing Lucy, thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. When
1: did you realize that you might have ADHD and what led you to to seek a diagnosis? Funnily enough, I was actually looking for research and information to help with supporting my middle child who I was certain had ADHD and I wanted to take all this evidence in to the doctor and the pediatrician. And while I was going through all of that research, I found that ADHD children generally have at least one parent who is ADHD. And I had a look at my husband and and I had a look at myself and then I realised that it was me. It was me who had ADHD. Looking at my behaviours and the way that I was parenting, it all made sense and it was actually alarming, but it was also... A bit like, if I could be diagnosed correctly, I could help myself.
0: So how has
1: ADHD impacted on
0: your life as a mum? And what are some of the unique challenges that you think you faced?
1: I think, I didn't know when I first had my first child that I had ADHD. He's nearly nine now, so... Looking back though, I look at how my house was and how I was never able to do the dishes. I was never able to do the washing. And I had one, just one baby. And I felt like a failure as a mother, as opposed to understanding that these were just challenges that I was having. Um, I, and moving forward, that's continued. I've had these challenges with doing simple tasks that I know a lot of my friends or a lot of other mothers just do every single day without having so much trouble starting or completing them.
0: I've got a bit of a theory. I think that as single women or married women without children, we could cover up a lot of that stuff. And do you think it became obvious to you when you had a small person to look after or did you feel that about yourself before that?
1: Before I had children, I think obviously I had more time to care for myself and to, and I had less dishes and less washing. I was one person. I would wear clothes more than once and I would wash them and put them through the dryer and just fold them because it was just one load. And with dishes, it was the same thing. It was sort of a couple of plates and that was that. But, yeah, i managed okay before. I did have the challenge of oh, I don't really want to do the dishes. But it was a few things. It wasn't the overwhelming task. Whereas once I added in children and a husband and that added to my workload of dishes and laundry. And, uh, yeah, that's how I really started to notice the struggle. So, like, the sheer volume just drastically increased? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the overwhelm of it because it was no longer just one load of washing. It was a lot more. What are some strategies that you're using to manage your time and try and stay
0: organised? Obviously, you've got an absolute bucket load of stuff on at the moment. How does that work?
1: I think my biggest strategy is accepting. I'm very accepting of my life and my house as a mum with ADHD with three children who are neurospicy as well so acceptance has been my biggest strategy accepting that when I have the energy I will get it I'll get up I'll get in I'll get it all done and accepting when I'm exhausted and I don't want to do it that I don't the other thing for time management is I do try To set blocks of time, I try and go, okay, I'll do half an hour of laundry or something. I'll do half an hour. I'm going to try and get as many dishes done in half an hour. And after that, if I feel like I want to keep going, I will. And if I don't, then I'll stop at half an hour because half an hour is better than nothing. So I try and allocate time to things and just... it use my motivation when I've got it and accept I'm not going to get things done when I don't. And I think the diagnosis can
0: also be powerful in that you may not, I would imagine, be holding yourself to the same standard you might have held yourself to three years ago when you were unaware.
1: Absolutely. I think I used to think that I was lazy and I was a really awful mother who wasn't able to keep up with the demands of having children in a house and just felt like I wasn't really good at being an adult or a wife or a mother, whereas now I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. I am different. I don't need to be held to the same standard as a neurotypical mother or a neurotypical adult. I don't need to be that person. I just need to be me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I remember um, vividly we only moved into a house when I had my daughter and... It took me ages, and i would only say this to ADHD and i would never say this to anybody else, couldn't figure out when to put the bins out. Like something really small, because I'd always be living in apartment blocks where someone does it for you or a neighbour does it or as part of the, the deal of being in an apartment. And suddenly I had this tiny person and I had this bin issue where we always had heaps of rubbish and I could never figure out when to put it out and it seems really obvious like just put it out when everyone else has put it out but by the time I figured out everyone else's bin was out the bin had, they'd already gone the truck had already left yeah and so yeah, it was, was too late, late. yeah yeah and it was like I lived in a place with uh, a lot of older people so they did it like right on time so there wasn't a lot of time and then I'd be like okay I've missed it again I think it might be Monday night or is it Tuesday morning And I was like 28, 29 years old, and I was thinking, I can't even tell anybody that I don't know how to do this.
1: Yeah, because it's something so, in some ways so basic that as an adult, you should know how to do or you should know how to find the information to find out what to do. But it's not always that simple for people with ADHD. Mm, and then let's say I asked a
0: neighbor and I would immediately forget what they'd said. It's so then I'd yep. run out of neighbors and i like, I don't know what he said now.
1: Um, and then so you don't want to ask anyway. again.
0: No, you don't. You can't, can't ask again. You're just this is crazy lady. Yeah. Uh, so it's the little things that really trip us up. And also I think Korea is feeling you being na- inadequate. Yeah. So what strategies have you found to be the most helpful to managing symptoms with ADHD?
1: Definitely for me, one of the um, pieces to the puzzle was medication. It definitely helped so much. But then, again, caused other issues. I'm still on the journey of finding the right medication for me. Other strategies, like I make people aware of my ADHD to help keep me accountable, my husband, my, my family, my kids are aware, my children's school is aware, my uni is aware. When I was working, they were also aware so that they knew. Um, I was going to say to you, when you're
0: talking about school support, I've got a son in prep. And you know how they give you yeah. that book and they give you like an animal or a teddy bear that you have to take home for the week? Every school yeah. needs to do it. I dread that because it's just an extra thing to do. I never know what to do yeah. with this teddy. I've got to print the photos. I've got to organise my son to do the book.
1: And as a young business, it's a mystery.
0: I know. And then it's like a mystery when to return this bear. So I yeah. just take it every day because I never know what day is. And on a third yeah. day. And just in case bear, if they want it back, yeah. And the teacher says to me, oh, you've bought the bear in again. It's actually not due until Friday. And this is like that Wednesday. I'm still bringing it in every day. And I said, oh, I just didn't really understand because my son told me it was 10 days. Is it five? I don't know how many days yep. this is. And she's, have you opened the book? And I had opened it, but I hadn't opened the front of it. Yep. And it had instructions. Yep. Never seen it before. And it says there clearly for a turn on Friday. And it's about yep. all the jobs that you've got to do. And I was thinking, that was not obvious to me. And I was so embarrassed. And I actually thought about it afterwards and thought I should really just openly say to her, hey, sometimes I'm a bit behind the mark. Feel free to send me an extra
1: message because I'll probably need it. So root strategies for helping manage ADHD and symptoms of things like forgetting things and kids appointments and uni assessments and my own appointments, managing when my husband will be at work, when he'll be away. So when I'll be home, things like that. I have, I created this giant acrylic wall planner and I've stuck it on the wall in my kitchen, which is prominent and I can see it. And I've got a to-do list. I've got a shopping list. I've got a calendar. And then I break that down into like just one week, Monday to Friday with a much bigger area to write everything. And I just have to pour everything onto that. And anything that isn't on there that I'm not going to see 40 times a day when I'm in the kitchen, like it's gone. I forget it. Or I use my phone as well, my calendar on my phone, reminders on my phone, I have about 400 alarms set in my phone for getting up in the morning, making sure I'm not taking too much time on even eating breakfast. I can get really distracted sitting at the table. So we have all these alarms set on my phone so that I'm prompted to keep moving on with the next task of the morning or to keep going because sometimes I just get so lost Lots of reminders, calendars, visual cues, as well as these electronic cues, as well. And that's really what's been keeping me going for the last little while. Yeah. I
0: think those visual aids are really important. I actually bought a big visual clock with a timer, Mm -hmm. and I've been having a bit of a laugh because my kids use it against me. So when I put the timer on and it says 45 minutes and I go, that's when we're leaving. We've got to be in the car for 45 minutes. That was the purpose yep. of the clock. But actually what happens with the clock is when they say, can you come read to me? Can we have a shower together? Can you come do this with me? And I was like, yeah, five minutes I'm going to be there. But like my inattention, I'm never there in five minutes because I've moved yep. on from the task forgotten. So now they put the timer on for me, the timer goes off. I have no idea why the timer is going on, and they go, Five minutes is up, mummy. You
1: have to come and sit with me and read me a book now.
0: Yes. Oh, my God, my own timer is being used against
1: me. Against it. yes. Yeah, I'll do that too. I'll say to my kids, okay, I'm just, mummy's just washing dishes and I've set a timer for 15 minutes and once that goes off then I'm available to help you with your homework, I'm available to come and play with you or whatever it is I've said I'm going to do. And because it's a an alarm, it goes off and they hear it and they run out and they're like, mum, you said... Remember, you said you'd come and play with us. And I almost go, oh, that's right. And because I am being held accountable for it, I do it. I have to do it. But, yeah, again, using our own systems and strategies against us.
0: So I think for ADHD mums, the demands of motherhood, balancing that with work, your own time, studying, everything that you're doing, and also taking care of yourself and managing your ADHD I think is a lifelong journey but do you have any anything you'd like to share about what has helped?
1: Again I would say like the acceptance of the ebbs and the flows like the roller coaster I think motherhood has, is difficult enough as it is and then you add in ADHD for myself, NeuroSpicy children, you add in a Wife, her husband, you add in uni, all these things. It's just accepting that it is messy. It works for us. Sometimes I don't know where I am or what I'm doing, but we just manage. And, and every day, we we get to that time where the kids are all in bed, and I sit down on the couch, and and I go, "Oh, we did. It. We got through this day." And that's really it. Just. I do try and just take every day, day by day, because some days are going to be worse, some days are awesome and aren't really that difficult, but just take it day by day and manage what's happening right then and there. That's really how I work and how I focus on being positive about it all and getting through is just, We wake up and we work through until the kids go to bed again. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I heard a beautiful metaphor the other day. I actually looked at it, thought about printing it and putting it on my mirror. Didn't do it. Don't you love that? But I do think it was beautiful and it was talking about how someone was walking through a dark tunnel and that their thought is, what if there's water in there? How will I do it? What should I do next? Should I take something with me? And they're like overcome with thoughts about how to possibly get through this dark tunnel. But the answer yeah. is just to take one step at a time because then you yeah. know what's there. Then you know if there's water, then you know how long it's going to take, then you know if you can do it. But if you keep standing there and
1: doing anything
0: about it and worrying, you're never going to get there.
1: And for people with ADHD, we, we are prone to that overwhelm and if I look at how am I going to get through this whole entire year, we've got 400 birthdays and we've got Christmas and we've got this and we've got that and we've got sport and we have, oh, my God, I have to do these all these subjects, and that overwhelms me. Whereas if I look at even just this week or today, what do I have, I can break it down to more manageable, easy-to-digest tasks, and the overwhelm is so much less. I know that I've just got to get through these things instead of worrying about how I'm going to get through this entire year. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think that
1: acceptance is really important too
0: in terms of when you're planning a week. I could imagine if you've got a husband who's not there all the time, you'd want to be really careful. So if you get really excited and think, I'm going to do all of this next week, yeah. And then you get to next week and you realise that you have created a week that you physically cannot do. Uh, Absolutely. And I think when you were talking about planning, I imagine that you're doing that in bite-sized pieces.
1: When you get excited and you're motivated, you think, even sometimes writing a to-do list, right, you think, okay, I'm super motivated and I've got all this energy and I'm going to tackle all of these things today. And you make this list to hold yourself accountable And I get to halfway through the day and I just go, wow, 8 a.m. Lucy was so naive about how this day would actually turn out and how drained I am by 1 p.m. And sometimes we do take on or try to take on so much more when we're in that really positive, motivated mood. And then we get to it and we're like, actually, this is too much.
0: Oh, totally. And then you've got the, the dip that we all dread, but is real. Yeah. We need to be aware of that. That's what this podcast is about. It's- you don't want to then berate yourself about why you couldn't follow through because 8 a.m. you were very motivated. 1 p.m. Yeah. you just realise you've only got an hour before you've got to start picking up the kids.
1: Yeah. Everything's taken a lot longer than what you thought. That's right because that time blindness as well, you think that it may only take you – however long you think to do a task, but really it's actually sometimes four times that amount of time. So your idea of what your time should look like is so misguided. It's so wrong sometimes that it just doesn't add up. There's not enough hours between dropping the kids off and picking them up to do all the tasks that you've set.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the, the self-talk that goes along with that. Then mm. you didn't get to achieve what you wanted to achieve, which is huge. One thing I wanted to ask you as well, and I see this a lot on a lot of the Facebooks and some of the groups that I'm in, a lot of people talk yep. about medication strategies with children, and I was wondering, are you very aware of your diagnosis and who you are and all mm. that? I was wondering, do you talk to your children about that and you so – what do you say? What strategies have you found helpful to get them to understand and cope?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am so open with my children about everything, and I always have been. And I'd like to thank my parents for always being super open with me because it, it fostered that, that ability. It, it showed me that being open with your children and letting them know what's going on sometimes is really helpful for them to understand why you are the way you are as a parent. And I used to think that I didn't want to be like, oh, mummies, I'm overwhelmed and I'm just yelling because I have ADHD and it's, I never wanted to use it as an excuse. I always felt, oh, no, you should know better. You're an adult. Don't use it as an excuse and tell your children, like, it's okay for me to be like this because I have ADHD. But what I am doing is I'm speaking to them. They're only nine, six, and four. So obviously I need to speak to them in age-appropriate ways. But I will say to them, like, guys, I need you to go outside if you're going to be making that much noise. Mummy's very overloaded right now, or there's too much noise in here and it's making Mummy feel... Lead behavior, very angry, or it's making mummy feel overwhelmed, it's making mummy feel anxious, or I'll just tell them how I'm feeling um, and try and give them the opportunity to move their activity and to settle down or to, which I know doesn't always help, but if I can say them before I get overwhelmed, mummy's feeling overwhelmed and the behaviors you're, doing or the activity you're doing in here is making me feel more overwhelmed I I tell them that and I let them know even when we're driving is a massive thing I'll say if they try and talk to me a lot about certain things that require a lot of brain sort of space I'll say them we are driving to this location when we get there please ask me these questions but while we're driving I really need to focus on Uh, this activity I'm doing I'm driving that's that's where I need to focus so I do speak to them openly about how I'm feeling and how what I require and what I need to keep functioning and focusing but I also do speak to them openly about ADHD in general because I do have children one diagnosed and medicated for ADHD so I find that being open with him specifically helps him as well
0: So Lucy, I loved what you were saying about being really open about your diagnosis. You've obviously gone a whole way through your life without realising that you had ADHD. How do you feel about the diagnosis? Were you diagnosed with anything before? Do you think it's impacted in your life? I know that's a big question, but I do want to ask that one before we go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for years and years... Even through primary school, high school, I had these sort of episodes of depression and anxiety and I had struggles, lots of struggles through high school specifically where I would speak to a counselor, a doctor, these people. And then as I went into adulthood and I was seeking some help for myself and even in the early days of having my first child and marriage, which is really difficult as well, as I was quite young. I was misdiagnosed so many times by professionals who would diagnose me with an anxiety disorder or I was diagnosed and medicated with depression. And I remember when I was diagnosed with depression, they said to me, "It, it feels like circumstantial depression like anyone in your circumstances would be depressed it's quite hard or it's these circumstances would be difficult and I was still medicated for depression and I took the antidepressants I took the doctor's advice and, and did that and then I felt worse so I went back to the doctor I went off the medication did it all the right way but then I was fine I was okay. And I'm thinking, why am I fine? You just diagnosed me with depression. And yet I'm fine just so soon after. And it was really frustrating because I thought, I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal. I don't have these normal presentations of depression. And my anxiety wasn't constant, it wasn't around it just never sat right with me and it always frustrated me because I always felt it was wrong. I always felt that it was just being palmed off as something else. And I always felt there was more to it, but I was a young woman who took advice of doctors and trusted them. And I don't think that they were necessarily wrong at the time that presentation was presenting like anxiety and depression, but having had further conversations and knowing about ADHD and how it actually presents in women, I think there needs to be a lot more education on it for these health professionals as well so that we cannot be misdiagnosing and, and waiting until we're like 27, 28 to be diagnosed properly with ADHD.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think we're bringing a generation of women who are aware and, I think we're at least making a really good dent in diagnosing a lot of ADHD women who should have been, could have been diagnosed a lot earlier. But then we are then bringing into the world generations of children, boys and girls, who are more aware. Do you think that you will parent your children differently to get them through those difficult years, knowing what you know?
1: Had I been diagnosed as a child, I think my parents would have parented me differently and once I was diagnosed and I understood and I was medicated it really pushed me to help my children as early as possible because I didn't want them to get to 27 years old and be diagnosed then and I want them to have the best opportunity opportunities in life and I feel that being able to help them and cater to their different brains is the best way forward for them. And so, absolutely, I will parent them knowing how their brains work. And I will advocate for them for the rest of my life until they don't need me to advocate for them and they can do it themselves.
0: Which will be never, because as mothers, we will
1: never <laughs> ever. <laughs> my absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm still, my mum and I are so connected still and she's still there for me every day. So I know that it, it's not an end, but to empower, I want to empower my children to embrace the way that their brains are and instead of trying to fit into this world that is not made for them, find ways to hook ass at it and do amazing things hopefully sooner and better than I ever could. That's all I would hope for that.
0: And I love how aligned we are because one of, these, one of the purposes to this podcast is to get the awareness out there. And what I'm hoping, and this is probably a big dream, and I don't think it's we achieved just by me, but this is by everybody, that we might change the world to be more open and aware and more of a safe space for people with neurodiverse brains to live
1: because you're right it's
0: like a round hole but how about we can't change ourselves we can't change our brains we know we're all out there so how about we change the world to be more accommodating to everybody and that's to, uh, absolutely to everybody absolutely and having children who myself as well who are a little neurospicy, means that you're more aware of the world and how it doesn't cater and it wasn't catering to me or to you And how can we change that? I think we have a big opportunity. There is no uh, bigger game changes, I think, than women. We are great at creating change, and I think that we will be able to do that for our children.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: So thank you so much for coming, Lucy. I've absolutely loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for your openness and your honesty. It's been a real joy to have you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been really nice to chat with you and uh, yeah, talk about all the things ADHD.